I'm Danielle Levine, and you're listening to The Future Effect. The Future Effect is a weekly podcast bringing you the latest news and updates in Florida's child welfare system. This podcast is brought to you by the Future Effect Political Committee, a bipartisan effort to give Floridians an opportunity to get involved in the legislative and political process on behalf of Florida's children. Hello, friends. (laughs) Hi, friends. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Future Effect. Uh, You are with Danielle Levine. And Joe Durso. And Sarah Neems. And we are giving you our weekly recap for the week of April, starting the 12th through the 16th. And if you missed one last week, that's only because there's been a lot in play, but no real action happened. So we didn't really have any real updates. Uh, But we are excited to share some of the stuff that we've been going on this week, because Joe has actually been in Tallahassee all week long with his nephew, who was doing the PAGE program. I have. He was very excited to be here, and he got to do the House PAGE program. It's a program I actually did the Senate, uh, the Florida Senate PAGE program uh, when I was 16. He uh, is 13, and he's over in the House of Representatives uh, doing uh, the PAGE program, and he had a really great week. So he's... uh, He's looking forward to going home and telling his mother all about it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's been a really, really cool experience. And I remember when I did it, it was a really great experience. So, um, you know, I, I kind of coached him up a little bit on what to expect. And uh, he's had a really good time. So does he want to work in the legislature, does he think? Uh, yeah, maybe. One, you know, you never really know. Um, he, he, I can tell you that uh, they did a mock committee meeting and today uh they're doing a mock legislative session and he told me last night that he would very much like to be the speaker oh wow (laughs) those are some big aspirations go big or go home right that's very ambitious of you so yeah so that's so hopefully he'll uh he'll get to do that today but yeah he's definitely having a good time well, not only have you been up there walking him through the PAGE program, but you have been meeting nonstop with some of our legislators this week uh, about GAP uh, and some of the other, again, guardianship rather, and some of the other things that we have going on. So Joe, give us some updates. Where are we right now on guardianship with the Child Welfare Specialty Plan? So I wish I had like really solid news uh, to give, but uh, we're making progress, but it's slow. Um, so we have a lot of legislators that are really supportive. They recognize that it's an important issue. They recognize that there are lots and lots of kids that deserve this uh, higher level of uh, insurance, a higher level of medical care. Um, so they're very supportive of it. There was some question about the cost, and we were able to kind of lock down what, what it would cost the state. Turns out it's about $600,000 this year for uh, this increased service uh, for these kids. And so that's something that uh, legislators aren't really balking at. They they understand that. And so uh, they... Right, because how large is the overall budget? Oh, well, I mean, they spend billions. I think the Medicaid budget is like $12 billion in Florida. Right. I just wanted people to understand that $600,000 might seem like a lot when you look at it in the grand scheme of the bill or the budget, rather. It may, be, it may even be more that they spend on it, but I think it was $12 billion is the last number uh, that I heard. So yes, six hundred thousand dollars in in the grand scheme of all of that money to make sure that foster kids 
uh, get better quality care is uh, kind of a drop in the bucket. And I think a lot of legislators yeah. realize that. So really, it's more about the process at this point, mm-hmm. whether or not we can amend bills uh, and not slow them down in the process or kill them in the process, because there's a lot of rules about how to amend bills and what process they have to go through in committee and uh, on the floor. And so, you know, we're really trying to manage that now. Uh, we're about two weeks out from the end of session. And so it's important that we uh, uh, are, you know, we're really focused on on making it as easy as possible for legislators. We're giving them our talking points. We're visiting with the committee staff to make sure that uh, everyone's comfortable, everyone knows the issues, and that there's no uh, surprises. So next week, uh, we are hopeful. There are a couple of bills or vehicles that we think we can uh, amend to include this language. And so uh, we're hopeful that we will be able to uh, get it amended uh, onto one of the moving Medicaid bills. And by the end of the year, we'll be able to start serving these kids. Yeah. I know before we've talked in previous weeks about the hurry up and wait nature of uh, just legislation in general. So we're excited because you've, again, you've met with so many people this week. Uh, they're on board. They're interested. Uh, we have avenues to move forward. But uh, this week is all meetings. And so next week is really when hopefully that action will be taking place. And so we'll be able to share more about some of the solid, concrete details of what that looks like. Uh, but we're really looking forward to seeing just how the fruits of our efforts have been playing off. And yeah, and, and it's important to note, too, that this really has been in every single case, every legislator that we've talked to, Democrat and Republican, uh, every single one of them has recognized the importance of this. So whether it's uh, uh, Chairwoman Burton, uh, Representative uh, Camille Brown from um, Orlando, uh, Clay Yarborough, I mean, all these different legislators from all different parts of the state, from both mm-hmm. political parties, um, really recognize how important this is. And so uh, we're, we're confident that we're going to get something done. It's just a question of timing and, and the process. And so, yeah. yeah, we really are pretty hopeful about it. Yeah. So that's Gap. We'll have, again, hopefully more concrete things uh, to share next week because we think the budget will be introduced Monday, right? Monday the, what is today, the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th? So it's not actually going to be the budget. So what they're doing is right now they're they're deciding on the allocation. Correct. Uh, how much each committee in the House and Senate will have to basically spend. So there'll be a pot of money for transportation, a pot of money for health and human services, a pot of money for education. And once those pots of money are decided, then they're actually going to go to work. Uh, each committee is going to work very closely with their staff and try and build a budget that addresses uh, uh, Florida's needs. And so uh, that's gonna start a very arduous process. There's gonna be a lot of uh, conversations, a lot of infighting, um, a lot of tension coming up uh, because the House and the Senate will probably have different budgets. There'll be different focuses. Some will focus more on education or healthcare. Some might focus more on environmental conservation, protection, uh, transportation, things along those lines. And so um, eventually they'll start to line those things up uh, and they'll go to a conference committee and they'll work out the differences and then um, uh, we'll have a budget. And then once that budget gets made, it'll sit on everyone's desk. It's by law. It has to sit there for 72 hours. It's called a cooling off period. That way there's no sneaky changes that get made at the last minute uh, because that was a problem years and years and years and years ago. Um, and so they uh, will 
uh, all have a, a good opportunity, three long days to review the budget, make sure that they're comfortable with it before they vote on it. And then they will uh, they'll vote in each chamber and uh, hopefully pass the same budget and it will go to the governor. So that is all happening, friends, within the next two weeks. So if we thought that things have been crazy busy before, it feels like it's about to be just a sprint for these final, these final weeks of session. Final two weeks? Yeah. I mean, this is my, <laughs> this is like my 23rd session. Ooh, get aging yourself. Third or 24th. I really am. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I start, in all fairness, I started when I was like 16. So, you know, I mean, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, uh, it's been a really interesting uh, year. And it, it, a lot of it is complicated by the fact that uh, COVID has shut the Capitol down. Yeah, so you really yeah. can't get into the Capitol like you used to be able to, where you'd be able to walk across the street and walk into a legislator's office and try and talk to them. Now it's much more uh, strict about who comes and who goes, uh, who's allowed in the building. You have to be escorted by the staff that you're meeting with uh, oh, wow. to and from the front door. Uh, yesterday we went and we met with uh, four different legislators and uh, uh, they all had to come to the door and get us. And walk us back to their offices. And they walk uh, you out. Yeah, then they walk you out because it's that tight of a protocol. So um, those conversations that we are talking about, it's harder to have those now because yeah. uh, you can't get to them. Um, and email and phone calls don't really work because they're swamped. So you really have to right. be in front of them to get the point across at this point in the process. So it's hard. It, it really is hard. But it's typical of every year, this time of year, uh, where things get more difficult because um, – you know, we've offices go into lockdown basically because they get so bombarded with with uh, mm -hmm. phone calls and emails and visits that they uh, they just kind of lock themselves off and they they manage their calendars more tightly and uh, it's a it's an interesting part of session. Yeah, and if they need you, they call you. So that's gap. Let's talk back of bill funding. Where are we? How's that going? What are we What are we envisioning the next two weeks for this will look like? To hopefully have it fully funded. Um, we had some conversations this week with um, Eckerd Connect's team. And with that being said, they are going to work in junction with us um, to hopefully get the House support as we work on the Senate side. But at the end of the day, we're all in the same fight. And, and we're trying to make sure that both sides of the aisle and both sides of the legislative process are on board with fully funding it. So have we, have this week been as busy for you, Sarah, as it's been with Joe? Uh, I, I don't know if necessarily I've been meeting with anyone in person. <laughs> so no, from an actual um, timing standpoint, um, Joe's definitely been running around up there. But I think the big conversation that we're going to have to see is when the budget is at least put in certain committees and, and how they're going to be spending it. It will be very telling to see what leadership is going to do um, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I think you can start kind of pulling and picking the pieces together of, okay, transportation's getting this much money and it's going to add up to these many projects. Where does that leave healthcare? Where does that leave, yeah. you know, us in, in the process of that, right? So um, hopefully we'll get some answers by next week um, in regards to exactly what you know, that, that vehicle is for us to be a part of fully funding the back of bill, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we do, we do have some good news in that, 
um, the Department of Children and Families has uh, kind of acknowledged the fact that the number, uh, the total number, which is about $18 yes. million dollars, uh, for all of the uh, uh, CBCs that are in deficit. And so um, that actually helps us because when the legislature looks at it, it's not just us asking for money. It's also the department saying, yes, it's a, it's a legitimate deficit. And so that's a big part of getting something into the state budget. And so that actually will help us. Um, But it's still uh, the process is still, you know, in its early stages. And so anything can really happen. I mean, um, and so we don't really know what their priorities are going to be just yet when it comes to that type of funding. But uh, it looks pretty good. So we're pretty happy with it right now. Yeah. Keyword right now. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like with session, that's just always a caveat that you have to give because things can change at the drop of a hat. Yeah, literally right now. Like in this moment, we are happy. 10-22, all good. 10 <laughs> April 16th. At 10-22 a.m. on April 16th, we are feeling okay. Ask me at 10-45 how I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm sure I will get a text message if it is anything but thrilled. So that's everything going on on state side. On the federal side, it's just, again, we've been having a lot of meetings, talking with people about keys to end independence, talking about people about the child welfare specialty plan, uh, all Zoom and conference calls, of course, because of COVID. But I mean, again, it's one of those things that people understand the need that's out there. People are on board. It's just a matter of uh, continuing to socialize our, our legislators and so that they're familiar with it. And also we will start to work more on language when that time becomes appropriate. But there is at least, you know, for how slow the federal side can go, there's been progress that we're really pleased about, especially just with um, the amount of support that we've received so far. Again, our um, our issues are really bipartisan. And so we're really lucky in that uh, we have support from senior members in both parties that lead the Child Welfare Caucus, that lead the budget committees. Um, and so it's really important that... Uh, you know, we focus on the fact that it is just a generally good program for kids and that so many people are on board with it. And, and it certainly helps our chances in what is a very partisan time in Washington. It certainly helps yeah. our chances that everyone uh, that supports it comes from many different backgrounds, many different parts of the country, many different political philosophies. The fact that so many people are on board with it is a pretty good indication of how well uh, or how good the program is. Mm-hmm. And something I just want to throw in really quick, it's a local um, touch in regards to all of the things we're doing federally. Um, uh, we are so grateful uh, to the Seminole County Commission on their letter of support. Um, it was unanimously supported at the Board of County Commission meeting this past Tuesday. Um, and and we just want to thank them so much for them stepping up and, and, and really helping us in regards to Keys to Independence. Yes, absolutely. When we met with Chair Constantine, maybe a week or two ago, the minute we started talking about the letter of support and keys, everyone's first response has really been, how can we help? And so we're, we're so thankful to have that level of support from our, from our local officials and just, it's all about the kids. And that's one of the things I really love uh, working with Future Effect is, as Joe mentioned, it's not about the party that you're part of. It's not about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. It's about coming together on behalf of the welfare for children and Every single person we talk to really just fully embraces that and is always willing to get on board. So 
this giant thank you to the entire Osceola County Commission. We have our Seminole County Commission. We've been meeting with Orange County. Just really Central Florida has pulled together in this effort. And we just want to say a giant thank you for everything that you all have done. Well, and also it's important to note uh, that uh, our state delegation and our federal delegation at the local level, uh, all those folks that represent Central Florida have been really, really supportive. Um, I mean, and it, it, it matters when your home team is with you. Uh, it mm-hmm. matters to other legislators. If you don't have support in your own backyard, they're not likely to support you. Um, and so it really does help that we have such great champions at, in both Washington and in Tallahassee. And again, Republicans and Democrats, you know, examples of like David Smith, a Republican in the state house in Florida, and uh, Darren Soto, a Democrat in Congress, uh, both huge champions for us, us, both very willing to support us in the past. And work on these issues because they recognize um, that it's good for kids, and so yeah. uh, it really does. It really does matter, and it, a huge thank you to all of them as well. So those are updates. Do we have anything that y'all want to talk about that we haven't already touched on? I, I think something just for our, our, our listeners' sake, um, y- you know, in regards to just the local support. And, and I think we've touched how you can get in touch with your state elected officials. I think we've touched on the federal piece as well and some of our other podcasts, but also feel free to reach out to local elected officials and, and send them a thank you and, and let them know that um, you're a supporter as well. And uh, I know they'd love to hear that. I know they want to hear that um, and, and your feedback. So don't be afraid to also reach out to your local elected officials as well, your county commissioners, city commissioners. I feel like as an elected official, you hear a lot about when people are unhappy with what you've done, but you don't hear a lot when people are in support of you and want to thank you. And so I echo what Sarah said, it always makes someone feel great to get that compliment and just have their efforts acknowledged. And so if you support anything that you see them passing or that you're working on, An email takes all of two to three minutes to go ahead and send out. So we definitely encourage you to reach out. Everyone's so responsive. People want to hear from you. I know it can be scary. It can be really daunting. I don't think before I joined this space, I would ever be that person to send an email. But it goes over over really, really well. And I know that's something that is appreciated. Now, in all fairness, Danielle, you wouldn't send an email. You would just show up at their offices. I hate emails. I hate phones. Send me face to face with someone and I'm all about it. But like, I don't, I don't do non-facial communication, which has made COVID very, very difficult. Oh yes. And for lots of people too. I'm, I'm right there with you. Oh yeah. Is there anything that you want to add before you wrap it up? No, I just want to hear. <laughs> You're waiting for it. I can see it in your face. <laughs> I just want to do the closing and then have Sarah do her like, share, and subscribe at the end. <laughs> it's my favorite part of this every week. All right, friends. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to futureeffect.org or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handles are futureeffectfl. Uh, if you like this podcast, like the information that we provide, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, to help our message to reach more listeners. And remember, what we do together today creates a bright and resilient future for all. This is The Future Effect. See you next time. Like, share, and subscribe. Swipe up. <laughs> <laughs>